0: Welcome back to Volumes, this will be the first episode of the new year, so I hope everyone's had a great new year, in this episode I cover everything from veganism, LGBTQ plus community, uh, feminism and songwriting with Ella, whose social media is at Ella can Music, um, on Instagram, you can check that out, the links will be in the bio, and yeah. Uh, also in this episode, I tried to do something different in the audio, it didn't really work out very well but uh, I hope you can put up with it and enjoy the episode. we just start off with talking about vegan? Do you want to start there? Yeah, sure. Um, so like I'll well, add like a little introduction at the beginning, Yeah. like once this is all done. But yeah, do you want to talk about how you became vegan and why mm. you became vegan?
1: Yeah, um, I became vegan probably about three and a half years ago. Um, sort of the way that probably quite a few vegans do. And I, yeah, I watched a few documentaries. I watched, I think it was um, Earthlings. I watched which is very, very graphic. It's, yeah, yeah, it's essentially showing clips of like animals being slaughtered in slaughterhouses um, and in the most horrific ways, you know. Um, And then I watched um, Forks Over Knives, which is more like health oriented. Mm. And then I watched, um, oh, what's it called? The really famous one. Oh, is it gone got out of my head.
0: How famous? The most famous? Cowspiracy. Cowspiracy. That's, so that's it, yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is more sort of environmental. So yeah. I sort of wanted to cover, like, yeah, the and the ground, I think. Yeah. And I think I was most driven by the ethical reasons in terms of, like, animal rights and stuff. Right. Um, just because, probably because the footage was just so, so graphic.
0: So prior to watching those, did you have any, like, previous influences after that?
1: No, not really. I think I, you know, I was watching sort of what I eat in a day and I Mm. I, like videos and I was seeing that veganism was becoming bigger and I wanted to know why, I think. And just, I'm a curious person and I wanted to sort of understand more about like where my food came from. Right, um, and
0: just explore what else is out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I sort of, I, you know, connect the dots that, you know, being vegetarian is good and that you're not eating you know, the animals are killed so they can end up on your plate like knew yeah. that much um, but I didn't quite make the tie between like the dairy industry mm. and, and like you know the meat industry and how it's all very all very tied together yeah. um, in terms of malpractices and you know
0: I also feel like for yeah. a lot of people even though they know yeah this is an animal and then mm. I know eat that animal it's hard to really create that connection of oh, not that yeah. has to die and then it has to go somewhere and there's a full process. Ooh. It's not just like in a flash. It's not food. Oh yeah, you know for I mean? sure. Like
1: it's crazy how we sort of just dis- like dissociate from like what's on our plates and yeah. you know what we call a pet and what we you know yeah, what yeah. we eat and it's really strange. Yeah, I mean, yeah, domesticating certain animals and then certain animals being there for food is it's a really weird concept and it yeah. kind of makes you imagine like how that started. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, that was sort of my journey.
0: Um. So yeah, before we started filming. You said, uh, I said that basically what I'm going to cover is like everything that's in your bio. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you want to like quickly like go over everything that's in your bio. I'm thinking my bio. Yeah. It. So, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like queer, vegan, yeah. uh, feminist songwriter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, we covered right. veganism. Mm-hmm. So, queer, wh- what's, uh, what's your <laughs> part of being queer?
1: um Like, what do you mean like? I don't know, you put it in your bio. Okay, bio. Right. I, in your bio. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I never used to like put it in my bio and I never used to sort of be quite as vocal as I right. probably am now. I think Why like, do you
0: want to be more vocal
1: now, do you think? Um, I think when I was sort of, you know, discovering my sexual orientation, I didn't really not that I am a role model now, but I didn't have a lot of <laughs> role models and I right, didn't yes. really have anybody around me like speak like being openly Queer, I think, beginning LGBTQ Um, and yeah, it was it was just something that as I became, you know, more accepting of my identity and you know, for the longest time i identified as like bisexual and that sort of felt semi-right. and then I sort of landed on the identity of queer, which is more of a like umbrella term. and it just felt a bit more like politicized, I think, probably because you know you read like queer theory and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. it feels more like something that uh, the LGBTQ uh, community is like deliberately claimed. Yeah. Um, and I really like that concept, and um, yeah, it's just something that I like felt I like, strongly identified with. Perhaps not as much as I identify as female, but it was like one of those identities that I was like, this feels very me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know what to put in bios. I'm like, <laughs> these are my descriptors, <laughs> like, in queer, you know, it I guess it's just create yeah. that
0: sort of like sense of community so people know when they can maybe, yeah, like for sure, you for advice or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. I think being queer, like, it doesn't even necessarily just reflect like sexual like orientation, it, it covers like a lot of stuff, yeah. it, you know, stuff to do with like style and presentation and gender, and you know, that that word is used quite loosely, I think, sometimes, and um. Yeah, I think when I've seen it in other people's bios, I'd be like, oh cool, like they're probably, you know, like an intersectional feminist, they probably, like, there are a lot of like connotations there. Right. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: interesting. Um, am I right in saying that you have like a sort of like, another platform specifically for queer-like uh, culture?
1: Yeah, um, I haven't really used it in a while because it was, um, this project I was doing in my module called like Queering Gender, Right. Um. The module wasn't called that. Like my project was yeah. the module. Um. And yeah, I just decided that I wanted to do like a sort of photography. Um. Instagram. Right. Just so like I a guess. sort of yeah, a visual journal. Of, yeah. I just of knew I. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. I just sort of knew that I was interested in like queer culture and sort of unraveling like gender and style and sexual orientation and right. sort of looking at how those things intersect and don't intersect. Um, and I'm just interested in people and just getting to interview people, I'm sure as you know, it's like a really fun experience. Yeah, it's an awesome experience. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been quite fortunate with my like queer journey and like coming out and all that kind of stuff. I've been very fortunate. So it's been like very insightful for me to listen to people who haven't been quite fortunate and Mm, how their journeys differ or, you know, relate to mine, I think it's been really, really insightful. Yeah. I think Plus, for a
0: lot of people like looking at the outside, it's hard to realise Like, for every culture that exists, yeah. there's millions of subcultures oh, and millions of yeah. ways of like interpreting those subcultures and being a part of them and interacting with them and mm. no one realises that if you're not on the inside. So yeah, yeah. I, I, it would be really interesting like for people to check that out and like see the people you spoke to and, and how they all like became part of it and how they all interact with that their own way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I
1: think especially with Lancaster, like it's quite a small town and that's the most I go to Lancaster. Um, yeah, and like, so you sometimes feel like you don't really see the queer property or like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I don't really see queer yeah. people unless I seek them out. So a lot of these people, like I was already friends with because, you know, I'm actually drawn towards people mm-hmm. who like have similar so experiences mm-hmm. and their opinions and that just happens to, you know, correlate. Um, but yeah, I got to meet people through like friends of friends, people who reached out to me. Um, so it sort of it felt very warm and accepting. I think in that sense, because yeah. it was, you know, meeting more people from my community who I otherwise might not have met. Um, yeah.
0: Um. So do you want to talk about about you and like? So you were saying you went to? Are you going to? Mm. Uh, Lancaster.
1: Yeah. University. Um. So when did you start going there? I started, oh, I think it was like 2017, yeah, about September October 2017. Right. So i my the third year now, yeah.
0: Before you were there, where did you live?
1: Um, so I had, I basically moved to Edinburgh about a year before I went to uni, so I decided to take a gap year. Right. Uh, gap year. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you do in gap year? Um, I, I sort of did the stereotypical thing, I travelled, um, I worked. Um, it was quite a rough year for me to be honest I think a lot of it you know I, I experienced a lot of really bad bouts of like chronic depression and mm. depressed episodes and that sort of debilitated me for a lot of that year uh um, we
0: just like a bit lost in the way one the head and nice like yeah was it,
1: like, I, other stuff like <laughs> I think a lot of it was like a delayed reaction to be honest because I think during my school years I was pretty miserable <laughs> um, <laughs> to put it lightly and um, I think the last few years especially like six four years were really quite difficult for me and you know I sort of dealt with that in that moment by working really hard and sort of putting off like any sort of processing of emotions right. really and just trying to get through it um, and distract myself and then I sort of felt like when that gap year happened, like it just sort of caught up with me. Right. Um, And it really didn't help that I was in a new city, like new place. Didn't really know anyone. Yeah. When you're depressed, it's really difficult to meet people. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was really challenging, but um, you know, valuable experience nonetheless.
0: Yeah. I suppose it puts everyone in perspective. Now you know what it's like, and you can always like help. Understand things from those experiences, maybe?
1: Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's
0: completely nonsense what I just said.
1: No, no, that makes total sense. I think, like, this is why often people say that, like, you can't necessarily understand mental illness unless you've, like, gone through it, because I think it does. You know, being at such a low point and, like, dealing with that isn't really something you can comprehend, I think, unless you delve it yourself. And I think often when I come out of it, I forget how bad it is to be in a depressive episode because mm. your mind almost sort of like blanks out of your memory like yeah. it's too painful to like remember how it feels yeah so it's that's so interesting you say that yeah, yeah. so I literally like, I have like parts sweet. that here that I don't remember because yeah. it's like my mind is just kind of being like no that's not a happy time and yeah. it blocks it out <laughs> <I suppose laughs> which like might a, be good yeah. in a way but yeah, yeah. Like,
0: I suppose it's better maybe not remembering like that suffering I was just thinking it's kinda like this is probably a really bad analogy. But if you like hurt yourself physically, mm. you, you know that you didn't like it, but you mm. don't you can never really replicate that pain in your head. You can't think, oh that was this sore, or I can mm. compare it to this thing that happened. Yeah. You just know it was sore, but you don't you can't feel the pain again. Yeah. And I suppose it's a bit like that. You just know everything was really bad, but you can't really mm. think of like how bad it was, or yeah. why it felt so bad. It's, it was so hard to sort of like rationalize it because it's uh, maybe it's just we don't understand it well enough yet. But mm. that's very interesting. You said it like that. Like we, we do like block out these moments. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Um. Mm. So before you moved to Edinburgh, where were you? Mm. I you was lived, in Oxford. You lived in Oxford, so yeah. you spent most of your life in Oxford. Yeah, you up in Oxford. Yeah.
1: Um. Which was. Largely good. Like, I really yeah. can't complain too much, like, other than, you know, mental illness. But, you know, <laughs> um, I had a pretty pretty good childhood and my parents, you know, I'm very lucky. They're very supportive and all my choices and everything that, you know, I've gone through. And I think especially things like mental illness, I think, you know, they don't really give parents a handbook what to do yeah. like, when your kid is mentally ill. And so they did the best they could. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: It was interesting growing up there. Have you ever like received any like social backlash from saying that you're vegan or queer or, or speaking about uh, mental yeah.
1: health? Um yes and no. I think like I was saying to you earlier before the podcast, I think like because of the, you know, the people I sort of like hang around mm. with because I'm in this like sort of bubble almost, yeah. like often my following and the people I follow are very like-minded, but occasionally you know I do get comments like anyone really does and you know I've had comments like you know it's like you enjoy being depressed and things like that which um, I mean I'm quite lucky with like being queer like I don't think I've really had I've had sort of misconceptions I have had sort of like if I've been dating men I've had them sort of fetishize me also being interested in women or expecting a free term. <laughs> Um stuff like that. It's just sort of infuriating. And
0: do you think that's just naivety, or what do you think about that
1: is? I think part of it is definitely naivety. I think part of it is probably porn culture um, and <laughs> yeah. then having watched loads of like lesbian porn and being like, oh, like that's you know, yeah. which again, lesbian porn is directed by made for men. Like yeah. it's not, yeah. it's not really, you know representative of the queer community generally um and also they have like really long nails and i'm like if women had sex and they had really long nails it's gonna be really painful mm. so um That's yeah <laughs> sorry yeah um but uh yeah. oh god okay this is why i decided to film to myself and i don't um so yeah, I think I'll get some sort of questions like, you know, how do women have sex with each other and stuff like that, which right. supposedly might come from my routine. I'd rather someone ask questions that didn't, but it's
0: sort of the assumption that you will then yeah, like have a threesome. <laughs> um, or, you know, so. Um, so generally, you have receive received more like, positivity than negativity from people.
1: Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think like, especially stuff like music, like I've had people like message me being like, oh, like I'm related to that or you know, like, yeah. I think about some like, quite deep, I think, sometimes, and things that are quite depressing. I don't think I'm a naturally sad person. I think I'm quite a quite happy person, but, like, my creative expression is to create music when I'm yeah. really down or when something challenging has happened. Right. So, like, um,
0: express yourself and maybe, like, get yeah. it off your own shoulders kind of thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, like, you know, I first started writing when I was, like, 14, and, right. you know, it was well, never what really... What like,
0: influenced you to do that? Like, walk, walk.
1: Um, I'm not really sure. I think so. My mum sort of signed me up to this thing called Rock School <laughs> when I was fourteen. Um, not was that, that I, was, I was.
0: It was <laughs> <laughs> no, kind of really. It was sort of like an
1: after-school like club kind of thing. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, a lot of the people who went there were like very talented musicians yeah. and much better than me. Um, <laughs> but I that was sort of my first, you know. Songwriting kind of experience. Did right. you
0: played the music and stuff? Like, did you know any instruments? Mm.
1: Yeah, I'd played guitar for a few years prior to that, um, and I played. You so weren't going in well.
0: like, completely naive. No, no, you know, no. like, like I, I, had basic, right. you know, <clears throat> like so was understanding of. It it sort of like, like a workshop for music or musicians.
1: Yeah, it was sort of like helping you form like bands and stuff, right. and so I ended up being in this, you know, band. Yeah. When <laughs> did you say
0: you were like fourteen? 14, yeah. 14, 14 15, yeah. yeah.
1: How was that experience? Not bad? <laughs> it was interesting. I don't remember much about it, to be honest, other than, you know, I was in a band. I started playing in a band with my brother because my brother had also been forced to like, really? play that, which was interesting. And he was playing the drum. He, he hated so he did not like it. And then there was this other guy who, um, was nice but didn't really it just didn't work. <laughs> I mean being in a band you kinda of, you know when it's not working and yeah. and then I was put in a different band, um uh, which was all guys, all really lovely guys, and then I stopped dating one of the drummers. Again I was 14, what did I know? Yeah. Um <laughs> and, then, and then eventually that relationship and the band, at least my part in it, sort of Drifted away somewhat. You broke up with um, bands. I broke up, but no, I didn't. I mean, they were very much a band before I joined, so I don't think <laughs> leaving really did anything. But um, that was my like first experience, I yeah. think, with like songwriting and like performing. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> know why, but like
0: maybe I was like subconsciously wanted to believe it was like a really like sad moment happened, and you wanted to write that thing, and you create this music. But no, it's like. But old school rock club.
1: I mean, yeah, I think a lot of like I didn't songwrite after that for a while because I didn't feel like I had anything to write about. Whenever I tried it didn't turn out very well. And I think part of that was because, you know, I was probably fairly happy at that point and like I didn't have anything to write about and then you know the depression sort of hit and it was like, oh okay, there's I have a lot more material now. Um but yeah, it was never really something that I was like, oh I must perform this, I must right. become like this I don't know, big pop star. <laughs>
0: so you felt very like inspired in a sense to start writing music when you have these like low points?
1: Yeah, I mean it was my form of escapism really mm, and like yeah. sort of channeling, you know, I've never been the best person at processing emotions, I think. Mm, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, free song, it's just really helped me. Like even one of my most recent songs, like um it was like inspired by you know me basically thinking about this person that i was dating i was like why am i thinking like i was dreaming about them i was like this is really frustrating i thought i was over them so i wrote a song about it no more dreams about them so i was like great (laughs) so i think it really helps me like yeah like process stuff like get emotions out of me and like it's just really helping yeah. in that sense. It's like you're
0: storing those emotions somewhere else, so you don't need to have them on you all the time. Yeah, exactly. It definitely
1: yeah. feels like a weight is lifted off my chest because it will just... It's like, okay, I've processed that, I've sung about that, um, you know, and then it becomes a song you've written in the past or it becomes a past memory. It doesn't yeah. become something that feels like it's burdening you. It's, it's okay. really fascinating. Do yeah. you think that
0: maybe you need something like a really low point to be creative? And do you think that like across mm-hmm. the board for most people, I think that seems to be the case. Like we can look throughout history and point out, oh no, yeah. they were depressed, or they yeah. had anxiety, <laughs> or they were schizophrenic. And you could literally, like, mm. there's no artist or creator or someone that's done something big and, and grand throughout time that doesn't have something there. Mm. You know what
1: I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've kind of been thinking about this myself because at the moment I'm doing like a dissertation that's about music and mental illness. Mm, and like... Right. It's interesting writing songs for that and like not being depressed. Like I still deal with depression, but I'm not, you know, a lot of my songs I wrote previously would be like in a depressive episode I'd be writing. Right. It. Um, so it's interesting. I don't think it's, I think there's, you know, credit in doing both, like writing when you're in a dark place and when you're not, because I think when you're not, you have a lot more perspective and you <clears> can reflect <throat> on it in a way that's perhaps more healthy and right more rational um, <laughs> so uh, i don't know um but i i, I don't know I, I sort of see like pop music now and a lot of it isn't necessarily it, it doesn't seem like it's from <laughs> artists like personal experiences and yeah. it doesn't you know there, there's not much really um especially in pop music about like mental illness mm-hmm. like I've been trying mm-hmm. to find songs to analyze and things for my dissertation, and it's just been yeah it's been weirdly difficult. I'm like how is this because
0: mental illness is something <laughs>
1: yeah. that affects all of us. or mental health affects all of us. Um. So, yeah, it was really strange to me. Yeah, but every
0: pop song like <laughs> makes no sense. It's like they describe everyone the most vaguest way, in mm. the most vague of ways. So yeah. they all feel like, oh, they're talking about me. That's me. They're talking about. Oh, oh. Like, it feels so so personal. Yeah. Everything's <laughs> so so bad. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I was doing this. Um like focus group for my dissertation and one of them was talking about the song Sweet But A Psycho. Yeah. I know I just didn't even, like I'd heard that song so many times and I'm just like, wow, there's so many like problematic images of like the sort of like manic pixie dream girl and like, mm. you know, uh, like she's sweet, she's cool, but she's crazy, like, yeah. you know? And I think you also get that a lot with like, you know, um, if a girl like dumps a guy, like especially in like movies, it's like, oh dude, like she was crazy, like whatever. And like yeah. I feel like that's often used as like a sort of in a very offhand way, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it's it's really strange to me. Yeah, that's
0: really interesting. Um, I don't think that is just because, the, like, men don't want to be the <laughs> problem in the situation.
1: Yeah, I think I think often it's easier to say that a woman's crazy than to say like, oh, actually, maybe I was the problem, yeah. or maybe there was a problem with like the relationship. I think. Yeah. Um, I, also, I think terms like crazy are just like, you know, I, I often use it, but then I think my excuse is often that like, um, you know, ideal of mental illness, so I can reclaim that word, which is, uh, I, I don't know, probably problematic. Um, but I, I don't know. I think a lot of words like that are tossed around and, you yeah. know, I'd have. Have no
0: meaning anymore. That's have no so, meaning. Yeah.
1: And I'd have people be like, you know, i never know if they're joking or not being sort of like, oh, like, I'm so stressed. I feel like I'm having a panic attack. And so either I would be like, you know, normally I would be like, are you okay? Like, is there anything I can do? And then they'd just be like, oh, like I'm not having a panic attack. Yeah. But like, almost if you don't take it literally, yeah. you know, that might be their way of trying to like open up to you about yeah. their anxiety or whatever. So I
0: take everything so literally, like it's, yeah. it's almost dangerous how literal it is. Yeah. Like if someone says that's crazy, I'd be like, oh maybe that's crazy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Okay walk in and be like oh that is <laughs> crazy like mid-toast so fast I'll be like why is that toaster crazy like, yeah toaster? Like, oh, really? just dissecting yeah. it yeah <laughs> I'm breaking it down like why did he say that what did it mean and, mm-hmm. but yeah if someone said oh I think I'm taking a panic attack I'd be like right okay what's going
1: on no I've had people like, say that and, and you know i I mean, I haven't dealt with, I probably only have one or two panic attacks. Panic attacks and anxiety attacks are quite different, so, mm. um, but yeah, like, I've dealt with oh, anxiety wait,
0: what's, what's attacks. what's the difference?
1: Excuse me, now you No, no, not at all. I mean, I only realised that they were two different things, like, probably not very long ago. Uh, I don't know if I can explain this in the best way, but, um, what I believe it to be is, like, panic attacks, um, often have, like, more, they're often more extreme, and they often, you can literally feel like you're dying. Like, so when I first had a panic attack, I was like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm, Jeez, oh, okay. like, I'm dying. <laughs> um, and it was really horrible. Whereas anxiety attacks, for me at least, I have some of the symptoms of panic attacks. So, you know, shortness of breath, like not right. feeling like I can breathe, um, sort of like a heavy feeling in my chest, like um, heart beating fast, like sort of being shivery and then being really, really warm. Like almost mm. was feeling like I'm having a temperature. Um, so I sort of have stuff like that would, that would be like simmering, um, often I just call them like mini anxiety attacks because it will, those are often for me the worst ones because they last, they can last like hours for me, <laughs> they can just, the symptoms will sort of simmer there and either they will build and actually sometimes that's better because then they're overdone with or they'll keep on sort of simmering. Um, so at least in my experience, you know, having had I think only like one or two panic attacks and then anxiety attacks. I
0: was thinking about that, and like anxious
1: thinking. Oh, yeah. A <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's not the nicest no, experiences, no. but I think everyone deals with anxiety on different levels. So. Is
0: there any like direct correlation towards like what makes you have these, or is it
1: just? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it really can depend. So. Like, the first time I had a panic attack, it was, you know, I could sort of, reflecting on it, I was like, you know, it was because essentially, I don't go into too much detail, but it was essentially because I was really worried about a friend and right. about, like, them doing irreparable damage to themselves right. and, like, and me being like, I should talk about this, I don't want to betray her trust, though, like, mm. and, like, that just sort of, like, yeah. bubbled in me and that was, like, my first... Panic attack. I right. mean, it was no fault of her own because I would have no. had it in yeah. any sense anyway. Like something would have triggered it because that was just the time in my life where things were difficult. Um,
0: so just a lot of things just <clears> constantly <throat> building and building. And...
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that often with my anxiety attacks, it can actually be like you know, occasionally if there's like like I'm the kind of person that gets anxious with like surprises or like loud noises, like yeah. things like balloons terrify me, which mm-hmm. is like a really weird fear. Um, but even little things like that can set me off sometimes. So you know, my worst, basically, the worst thing would be like a surprise birthday
0: party. All attention on me,
1: balloons, and a loud surprise. <laughs> like I don't know how people can like surprise parties, but I hate anyway. no, the <laughs> they're not fun. Um, so sometimes it can just be a little thing. I yeah. think it really depends. Sometimes I can trace why it's happened, and sometimes I'm like, literally just like no it just Mm -hmm. you know but again sometimes it's you know if you don't process emotions then it sort of builds up in the back of your mind and you don't really realize it and then it gathers momentum and then it's sort of yeah that's
0: an interesting part as well do you think it's like uh, beneficial to talk about these things and express the way you feel and and constantly talk about uh like mental health and and things along those lines i think it it's helpful, not just for people hearing it and feeling connected to it, but for yourself to talk about it.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's necessary. I yeah. think, you know, I think it's difficult because, you know, I, I want to say that everyone should have counselling, but I know yeah. that I've not always had the best experiences of counselling and not yeah. pretty much everyone I know who's been through like NHS counselling has yeah. not had the best yeah, experience. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like I'm very fortunate to be able to afford like private counselling which Brilliant. has like helped me. Um have you, so have you ever
0: tried uh, like NHS counselling? I have, yeah, so, so I you went can, through uh, it. You can tell <coughs> it means that like you've got the perspective on ball. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I went through NHS counselling when I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16, I think. Um but it was again it was it didn't feel hugely like my choice, I think. I think that didn't help. I think often you've got to, I mean, this is very general, this is just, you know, in my experience, but you've got to like, want to get help, I think, and I just wasn't at that stage, I was still at this sort of like, denial and, you know, trying to accept what was going on, Those. Oh, yeah. and I think often with NHS counselling, I don't think it sounds very important, I think it's very underfunded, and um, I think mm. a lot of the structures put in place there, you know, if you know for no fault of the staff, it's just like, what they've been told to do, but yeah. it feels very checklisty. it kind of feels like, okay, you're going to, you know, come here like every so often. We're gonna do a like mood chart, and you're gonna tell me how you feel. This mood chart, and then next week you can do another mood chart. If you've done your like mood homework and like tracked your emotions or whatever, and then see how you feel. Possibly that worked for some people, but for me it was incredibly stressful. I still i I was a probably couldn't really talk about. I wasn't talking about anything really. I was, you know, um, very much into now, very much in my own head, and you know. I think I just, like, faked a lot of the mood stuff because I didn't mm. want to, I didn't want to go. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, and then at one point they, like, they sort of breached my confidentiality, basically. They, how do <laughs> I put this? So, you, essentially, if they think that you're at risk to yourself, then they are allowed to, like, contact your parents, to you there. Right. Um, but they're, like, meant to, you know, let you know beforehand. Okay. Um, I wasn't actually at risk to myself, but they basically sent a letter through to my parents about something that we talked about briefly in counselling. Um, I hadn't expanded on, they hadn't told me anything. And um, yeah, and I was at home and I saw this session I was like, that's weird. And I don't know, something within me was like, we need to read this. And so I opened mm. it up and I was like, ooh, this is a lot of confidential information right. that I just about start to talk about in therapy. Right. I have not talked about my parents. Um, And that was like, And that just, I, you know, yeah. And and I didn't. I literally didn't go back to therapy until about a year and a half ago because of that. Because it was it was very traumatic. Yeah. yeah. Did your
0: parents ever find out that you'd be sitting like that, or did you
1: just never do that? I don't know if I've ever mentioned
0: (laughs) it to them. (laughs) No, I'll
1: probably hear it on this podcast and be like, "What was that?" (laughs) Um, No, I think. I mean, they knew that I was unhappy with it because. I'd already expressed to them that it wasn't really working for me. Um, I even tried before that, I actually had private counselling because you know you're on the waiting list for like six, eight months. It's a long time. Um, But again, she was, it was very like CBT, which I know works for some people, but it was essentially giving me anxiety attacks. Like, going for, like, doing these exercises gave me anxiety attacks because it was like very focused on like breathing. And for me, I need a distraction. Yeah. Um, and that's what helps me calm down, not focusing on the physical symptoms. I'm having. It's like, yeah, so very like one, mm-hmm.
0: one route that they can take. And yeah. if you like differ from that route, it's your problem, not, right. not their problem, kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they don't they much. don't apply to every individual. Yeah. I mean,
1: kind of yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to sort of totally lie off CBT because I know it does work for some people, yeah. but I think often they like, do 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 like give these statistics like you know, when I was at the NHS, they were like, oh, you know, like uh, 85% of the people that leave here are like that you know, mm. like like making out like they're cured for mm. this Like, and, and I'm like, no, they've just probably done what I've done faked your mood charts and like, <laughs> made it seem like they were fine. And they just be like, you know.
0: Also, 85% doesn't even seem that impressive. Like, no. I feel like, 100% mm. is what we should have, 100% of success. Like, if mm. you heard that only like 85% of people survived, like, going to the doctors yeah like, mm, i don't know if i'm going to the doctor that, i yeah.
1: think it's difficult though like mental illness it's like it's everyone has such unique experiences yeah, yeah. it's like medication it's yeah like, it's really difficult to find something that is going to work for everyone yeah. and i think yeah
0: maybe that's why it's so good to talk about these things so people can like yeah. explore all these different ways of thinking and, yeah and doing for sure I mean, for, yeah
1: i mean for me like i needed therapy and meds yeah and
0: um,
1: like self-initiative I think and right but like I don't think not necessarily everyone needs that and also you know I had years where I wasn't on meds that when I very much wanted to be on meds but like you know and no fault for my parents but they sort of weren't that keen really for me to try that route which is fair because you know my brain was still developing and all that kind of stuff mm. um, but also Everybody like does I, help, yeah. what, sorry? did that help yeah? yeah 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 it really helped like it's not really a oh this fixes everything, but no. it's sort of it like neutralizes you a little bit, yeah. um, which is difficult because you don't experience extreme you highs it, yeah. or extreme lows, but it, it, it means you don't really have periods of like intense happiness that mm-hmm. you perhaps might have. Um, but I think at that point I was just so low that I was like, I don't feel any happiness anyway. Like let's just like <laughs> just even it out. Um, and it really helps because I think once your mood is neutralized, it's it's much easier to have that. Find that initiative, whereas before yeah, yeah. it was just like physically and mentally impossible to get out of bed. Like it just, it just wasn't happening.
0: that's yeah. Scary. Yeah.
1: Scary thoughts. It is, yeah. <laughs> but better now? Yeah, yeah, all cured. <laughs> no, no, <I'm... laughs>
0: no, no, I'm I'm doing so much better. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now and like talking a lot more about it, I think. Right. I never would have imagined me like getting through it. Um I um, yeah. yeah. it's hard to
0: see that the grass could be green on the other side when you're there and you, oh, you can't sure. see any grass and you're panicking and
1: everything going wrong. Oh on yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. I think even like my first year at uni, like it was I was still trying to like find the right dose of meds and it was like mm. it was difficult in that sense because I was it was a lot of newness, I was trying to make friends, I was in this like new place and I was still going through Very like debilitating depressive episodes, but being around lots of people all the time, which it felt quite crushing. It wasn't their fault, obviously, Um, but it's it's just a lot. I think sometimes when you're in that episode, you just I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want anyone like to see me in that state. I just wanted people to see me when I was like happy and. You know for people
0: that maybe currently are going through what you went through, mm. going to like university, being like around lots of people, yeah, and experiencing what you experienced. What would you suggest to them, or what would you recommend?
1: Oh, um, I think if you're not getting therapy, then try it. <laughs> if you like, I don't know, I think go through if your university has like well being services, I think definitely try those out um you know i did that and it was it was helpful it was still a bit nhs like it was still a little bit clinical for me um but you do get sort of free sessions um but you only get sort of like four or five of them and then they assess you if you need more but still get all the help you can get from university they're there to you know you're paying them (laughs) like they they need to they need to support you um and if you can afford it then Maybe try private therapy and just realize that like not every therapist is going to be for you, not every approach is going to be for you. Yeah. Um, and not to give up in that sense. Um, and definitely like speak to a doctor. Like go with a friend. Like I would get like anxiety texts going to a doctor. Um, but like going with a friend or going with a parent. Um, it's very helpful. Um, yeah, just try and get a dialogue going. I think I think the more you talk about it, um, the less. You feel like it's an isolated experience, which is mm. something that mental health certainly feels like.
0: Yeah, feels like. Yeah. I think for uh, it seems to be so. It's definitely less taboo now than ever, mm. but it seems to be still so taboo to even like talk about it or admit to yourself that it exists. Yeah. and for all we know that it could be the person right next to us it could be like having the same problem or like that kind of thing so mm. the, maybe like talking about it you might realize oh wait everyone's like this yeah and we're all fine or you realize oh no wait we're always going downhill yeah really <laughs> and, yeah and yeah. um, so going back to your music mm-hmm. so what's happening with your music right now you just making some music putting it out there and what's the plan
1: Oh, what's a plan? Good question. What is the plan? Mm-hmm. Um I, think... a swell. <laughs> I mean, so when I'm back in Edinburgh, like I have a mate who does like um sort of gigs at different um he sets up like sort of open mics at different bars mm. across Edinburgh, which is really mm. cool. And so whenever I'm in, in Edinburgh, I'm sort of like, Hey, gigs, <laughs> <want music laughs> please? I <please." laughs> um, which is which is nice and he's always great at doing that. Um Does he
0: have any like social media so you like? Like uses to promote the games his, and stuff. Yeah, so if
1: you're like a local musician, like it's called Pressure Valve, and right. his name's Phil. Um, and he's yeah, he's <laughs> he's great at all that stuff. Um, he's really great at like getting the crowd excited yeah. about you. Awesome. Um, which is really great. but oh, f- perhaps too much. So I'm like, please lower that expectation a little bit. I'm still an atmosphere. Um, but no, he's a lovely guy. Lovely guy. Um, no one's yeah, ever I mean,
0: being on stage meant like great guys calendar yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean I think especially when you're performing in pubs you don't, you don't want them to expect this sort of Beyonce like <laughs> Um, you know um, yeah so that's been really great so I do that when I'm in Edinburgh I'll sort of do like open mics when I'm in Lancaster like, too. I did this thing last year called Battle of the Bands mm, um, which I yeah. got to the final zone which was really cool and I'm going to do that again this year um, and if you win it then you get like 300 pounds mm-hmm. recording yeah. um, studio time, which I really desperately want. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of music that I write in and not all of it that's recorded. And so I think my goal mainly is just to get it recorded yeah. and get it out there. And, you know, whoever listens to it great, if some doesn't want to, that's fine. Like, I, I think it's just having that there. Because um, at the moment, it's just sort of in like voice notes on my phone. And, right, yeah. Um, you know, i performed it, but I haven't recorded it in a sort of studio yeah. sense or in a... You know, yeah. uh, having it's not of been
0: mastered and mixed and ready to actually be yeah yeah. yeah pretty much. Um, yeah. W- is that something you want to go down? to? is it music you'd like to primarily pursue, or is it more just a hobby for me?
1: I I honestly don't know. I'm at this weird sort of crossroads in my life, which I find stressful, but it should be exciting, <laughs> really. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't really I don't really quite know. Um, it's something I really love doing. I yeah. think for me the worry is if it becomes a job, then it feels like oh yeah stressful and like feeling like I have to you know make music and have a deadline to make Mm -hmm. music is kind of strange um but I mean ideally I'd love to release like um like an album or an EP or something Um, you know I think I I don't want to get my expectations up and I think as well my music like I think because I have such low self esteem like I didn't know that I was it was something that I was actually okay at and could do for a while until well, I actually yeah. performed it and I got well, like yeah. that so like <laughs> well it was until I think I got validation from others that this was something I was alright at um that I was like oh okay this is maybe something I could do it more um and even now I'm like is this okay like I don't know um but yeah something I'm working on. Not bad.
0: Yeah. what else is going on in your life and where else are you kinda of hitting other than music just in, in life what's the goals? Um, I calls. mean we have just started <laughs> a new year so do you have any new year resolutions Um, I don't because I
1: used to set all these resolutions and it just it felt like things that I needed to do and mm. you know I'm quite happy in myself I think just continue to work myself and continue to you know focus on recovery and mental health isn't you know isn't something that's linear and easy mm. um, so I think just making sure that if I'm choosing to do something, I'm doing it for me. I think I have this fear that I'm not going to be relevant or exciting mm. or interesting. Mm. And I think often because of that fear, I to a lot of stuff and I take on too much for me. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to be quiet and irrelevant because I think I felt like that for a lot of my right. childhood. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Um, so that's almost an hour being in, So do you want to like so, plug your stuff? And I'll yeah, sure.
1: Um, so my Instagram, SoundCloud, and uh, Facebook page is Ella Cam Music. That's like all lowercase. Um, and yeah, I think that's okay. it. So yeah,
0: listen, listen to the music. Uh, follow, enjoy, like, comment all nice stuff. Yeah. thank you very much for coming yeah, on. So